Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR 305. We will be reviewing NXT TakeOver 30, SummerSlam, W Payback, Raw, SmackDown, and of course NXT Super Tuesday. Now, I was meant to be joined by Graps of Rass, but unfortunately due to a family emergency, he's not been able to make it. Our thoughts and prayers are with you at this time, and we hope you can get on the podcast when everything is sorted. But let's begin, and I'll just on Friday... The 21st of August and Smackdown with Thunderdome. Now, there's a lot of things on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at the WNR Podcast. And we have a lot of chats about this. And I think my thoughts of Thunderdome is it definitely added something to it. You know, with the atmosphere with it was in NXT and with the kind of fans or the, the wrestlers in attendance doing this. Yes, it would point back to have real fans there. And to actually kind of bring an atmosphere in the course of the way the set and the entrances have worked. It is WrestleMania-like, and I think that's what was really, really impressive. Of course, with this, you're going to get a few um, idiots on it. And, of course, you know, with uh, references to Chris Benoit, the Ku Klux Klan, these things are going to kind of uh, slip through. But the thing is, this is why WWE is not kind of authority on that. They're asking the fans to take part. Let's try and not ruin a good thing, because now they're going to have to probably veto who they've got there uh, to come in. But... I think as a set, it looks really, really impressive. And I feel uh, I've enjoyed it so much on SmackDown. I felt it kind of would have had a little bit more to take over on the Saturday night. And speaking of takeover, uh, let's begin with that. And, of course, uh, predictions-wise, of course, I haven't got Dan to do the predictions. But today it's going to be James versus fans. Well, with takeover, uh, most definitely. And we're going to go through each match and see who got that, where it would be me or the fans. And, of course, speak about takeover in itself and go through the matches. So let's start with the NXT pre-show, and it featured the one of the matches now, of course, back in the day. The pre-shows never used to have a match, but now they do. And uh, this was quite an important one because it was a three-way match for the number one contendership for the NXT Tag Team Championships, called Imperium. You had Woken Wild and Raul Mendoza representing La Garda del Fantasma against Bree Zango and the duo of Danny Burch and A. Lorcan. Of course, they are our favourite tag team on here. And before we get on to the match, we talk about predictions. And in this one, prediction-wise, I did go Bree Zango because I thought having a, a face team win would kind of uh, work out well for everybody. But how did you see it all? Well, Bree Zango got 27% of the vote. The Garda del Fantasma, 35%. But the winners, Lorcan and Burch, 38%. And, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I would have been really happy if Lorcan and Birch would have won this match. I mean, the match lasted about 10 minutes, so we saw a lot of quick sequences without much time for rest or recovery between them. And after several close clo- close calls, even, Tyler Breeze scored the win with his team with a supermodel kick. I think if the match had five or ten more minutes, I think they could have really given a chance for the six guys to shine. But there were a lot of talent in that ring. As a kickoff match, I've really enjoyed it uh, because, of course, you have the Breezango winning, which I think is a feel-good moment. And it shows that there's, you know, the starting build of tag team division. Again, we've talked about this in NXT. The tag team division maybe not being the strongest, and I think we've seen it with Imperium at this moment in time. They're only doing that because NXT UK is uh, not around at this moment. But, of course, we got the announcement as well that NXT UK would start up again on uh, September 17th. So that should be a, a great thing. And, of course, on Twitter now as well, you know, looking back, it's great having hindsight. You can see um, NXT in the BT studio 
which you know where they held the boxing if anybody watches bt sport in the uk so i think that's really really clever of bt to kind of use their relationship and it wouldn't have happened if um they had sky they moved jeff sterling out and with a soccer saturday set but anyway i digress prediction wise on that i went one nil up against the fans because the fans said lorkin and birch and i said Frizango. our next match was finn balor versus timothy thatcher this was the first match of the main show with a clash of styles as a submission specialist Thatcher took on a striking expert, Balor. I've been really impressed with Timothy Thatcher since he's come into NXT. And I think you saw it in this matchup where he has got a completely different style to most wrestlers. And his look as well is something that sticks out. You know, with the, the gaping holes in his mouth, you can tell he's been in a few wars. And we saw his introduction against Matt Riddle. This is why, I mean, it's not an excuse, but I think they should keep Thatcher quite strong and I thought with Balor at the moment I think they're just turning their wheels I'm not sure they know what to do with Finn Balor now I might be wrong but I I just feel at this moment in time he's not done a lot since he came down as opposed to Thatcher with a victory over Riddle might propel him up the uh, main card a little bit because like I said WWE are desperate for heels and someone like Thatcher is completely different I enjoyed the match I thought the best bit of the match was when uh, Balor Landed hard on his left leg when he missed the coup de gras, And Thatcher, uh, his look on his face was like a kid at Christmas. Could he realise that the injury was there? And I thought that might have been the end of the match. But uh, after counting on several different holds, Balor put Thatcher away with a coup de gras, followed by the 19 So Balor wins. We should say predictions on that. I said Thatcher because, to be fair, I don't really go Balor much. And I think I should really start changing that. As for the poll... Thatcher got 41% and Balor was 59%. The Night Rocker says Balor is garbage and Sam McCabe blocked him. Bit of a surprise for me, but Balor going over. And I think especially what's happened since then kind of makes sense. So the scores are one all after our second matchup. Up next was the North American Championship ladder match. And oh my word, this was something else. And like I said, when you get the talent... Like this with the five men in there. Uh, it can give or take because sometimes you're looking like you're waiting for spots. This was not that at all. This was a hard hitting affair. Now, prediction wise on this, I picked out Bronson Reed, who got 16% of the vote. Cameron Grimes got 15%. Johnny Gagano, 20%. Damien Priest, the winner of the poll, 49%. Night Rocker said, I don't care. Like them all, going to be a great match. Simple Wrestling News and Opinions said, Velveteen Dream. And Andrew Adamson basically said no to that. Uh, so the fans go 2-1 up. But this is a group collective. You know, this is like I said, over 8,000 followers on Twitter. This is everybody voting to go against me. So this is kind of different. We'll see what happens at SummerSlam. And of course, payback. But as for the match itself, let's go back for it for just one second. Everybody had a point in this match where it looked like they were going to win it. And uh, Candice Ray came down. And, you know, we talk about the very first ladder match for the first kind of you know the one that we remember Wrestlemania 10 with Shawn Michaels flying off the ladder onto Razor Ramon well that same spot happened at TakeOver but Candice LeRae was on the back which is even more impressive when uh, you think about it and Reed, like I said my pick was really impressive after he hit that slam like I said a really really enjoyable match and it looked like the Dream had done the ladder towards the end but Reed sent him flying off it Gagano almost had his hand on the belt, but Priest knocked him down and claimed the title. And I think when you look back on it, I think Damien Priest winning was probably the best choice. Up next, there's one match that I wasn't really excited for. Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. I, of course, went Adam Cole in this. I'd be very surprised if, um, yeah, Adam Cole got 85% on the vote. Pat McAfee with 15%. I suppose he's got a few fans out there. As for the match, I was pleasantly surprised, to be fair. I mean... This was never going to be a Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair. But I think Pat McAfee, he forgot about the, the leg uh, during the match when he was selling it, which is a little bit of a shame. Uh, but I think apart from that, the couple of bumps he took were where he splashed on the outside was absolutely brilliant. He came off the top turnbuckle right onto uh, his crew and, of course, the Undisputed Era. And uh, Cole is a star. And what shows he's such a great wrestler is the fact that he sold for Pat McAfee. When maybe not many people will have done. I think that is a really impressive thing. I think at that point in time, a lot of people said it's my match, uh, their match of the night. 
I still think it's a ladder match that was good. But even the ending, I think, was quite surprised because uh, the other thing as well was, was kind of McAfee was the hill in this. And Cole, of course, we know is a hill. And it was a, a little bit off with that. Cole locked McAfee in the figure four and he escapes and kicked Cole below the belt while the referee was distracted. He head for another near fall. Cole hit the Panama Sunrise and McAfee sold it beautifully to cap off one of the best celebrity matches we have seen in a WWE. And I mean, like I said, Pat McAfee, maybe his selling wasn't on, but his athleticism was some of the best that we have seen from a celebrity athlete in a wrestling match. Anybody who doubted his commitment was eating a slice of humble pie. And I think, you know, to be fair, I maybe wasn't that happy with it beforehand, but I think it definitely delivered. I mean, Pat McAfee said he wants a match with Triple H. Maybe that's not going to happen. But I still think really, really enjoyable. So another point as well. So it's 3-2 to the fans at this moment in time. Next match is uh, Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai for the NXT Women's Championship. And uh, when Io and overall people went Io 67% to 33. Paul DeSecra said no way Io will drop the belt too soon. And I think you're right. It was too soon to change. But I think for the match itself, I think Dakota Kai needs credit because she has come on leaps and bounds since um, her debut. Nobody thought she was maybe a Bailey rip-off. The feud with Tegan Knox and the heel turn association with Gonzalez has really, really helped her. Was she a legitimate threat to EO? Maybe not, but I think with a little bit more work, it can definitely happen. I think there's a, a good package there to build up. EO has had a fantastic 2020. I know it's been horrible for most people, but Io Shirai has gone to the moon and back, so to speak. And sorry, um, sorry, Cameron Grimes didn't mean that. But as in, she just keeps delivering quality performances. And this one was another great match between her and Kai. And Kai worked on Shirai for a little bit, but she found her second win, making a comeback. The referee was knocked out and Io hit the moonsault. But... There was no referee, and this gave Raquel Gonzalez a chance to interfere. The referee then recovered. He counted two before Shai kicked out. Uh, she took out Kai and Gonzalez with a moonsault before hitting Captain Coke with a second for the pin and the win. And Ray Ripley came down and confronted Gonzalez in front of from attacking Shai after the match. The powerhouses stared at each other before Gonzalez left with Kai. And like I said, this was a great performance for both women. Maybe hurt a little bit that came so close after Adam Cole and Pat McAfee, which I never thought I'd say. But again, I think they really, really delivered. So the fans go 4-3 up with just one match to go. And that is the NXT Championship. And prediction-wise for this, I, of course, have gone for a new NXT Champion, Killer Cross. And the poll, Keith Lee, 40% carrying Cross, 60%. As for the match itself, I don't think it was that great. I, I like it with two big men. When it's move for move. And I don't think we saw that enough. There's a bit more kind of plodding about than there should have been really. Well Keith Lee to his credit. Like a fighting champion he is. And he won it a couple of months ago. Beating Adam Cole at the Great American Bash. But Lee now. Double slap and a headbutt. Can Lee pick up cross? Can he hit the spirit bomb? Gets it. Into the cover. One, two. No, Lee cannot believe it. Cross gets the shoulder up. It looks in pain, but looked like it was a little bit easy. And Cross in a bit of trouble. And Lee now, what's he got planned? And Lee now moving Cross over the corner, but that didn't help. Both men now fighting on top. And looking back at it now, you can definitely tell Karrion Cross is carrying some sort of injury. Going to end badly for one of these guys. Oh, wait a minute. Cross has got Lee off the top. Huge suplex into the cover. Two, three. Oh, my word. With a huge suplex. Top Karen Cross has put Keith Lee down and become the new NXT champion. Scarlet Bordeaux cannot believe it. Karen Cross came, saw, and conquered. He said he was going to become NXT champion. And he has here at TakeOver. Unbelievable stuff. Karen Cross celebrate with the NXT title. I mean, as for the TakeOver itself... Or sorry, say predictions first. For everybody shouts at me. Uh, fans got five. I ended up on four on there. So the fans beat me. And that's fine. That's fine. But let's see how you do an individual battle where you're not ganging up against me. eh? But anyway, as for TakeOver itself, 
it's a good card. Maybe the main event wasn't as good as it should have been, but you know, again, what we maybe we expected a bit too much from Takeover was Takeover great. Yes, it was. The ladder match in itself was fantastic. The Adam Cole and McAfee match was pretty good. The Balor Thatch match had its moments in there as well. And Eo Kai was very entertaining. And the shocking result of Karrion Cross winning the NXT title as well, I think makes quite a big deal of it as well. Um, I would say if I was going to rate this pay-per-view, I would probably rate it eight and a half. I mean, it wasn't one of the greatest takeovers that I've ever seen. But again, really, really cool. The future looks bright for NXT when you look about all the stars coming through as well. So the match of the night was the North American ladder match. My score is eight and a half. And the man is none other than a new NXT champion, Karrion Cross, who celebrates with the gold held high above his head. So that was Saturday night. And we move over to uh, Sunday night. And it is SummerSlam. But before we do that, let's just check the poll because we asked you what you thought of TakeOver. Okay, we had 19%. Good was 25%. Great was 25%. Awesome, 31%. Bernie Cordero said, big event. Nikki Fan Forever said, awesome. Shitsy the Grim Dragon says, haven't watched it yet. Well, you should. Culture Shock thought it was fire. Hill Felix Xavier said it was trash. Anthony Bourne said, none of the above. I said, out of 10. He said, naught. I guess he's an AEW fan. I'm not sure. But again, TakeOver was quite enjoyable. And then we left to the next day. And it was, of course, SummerSlam 2020. And it was a big feel to this event before it even started. Because we had a lot of people saying, you'll never see it coming. I heard Vince McMahon say it when he introduced Thunderdome on Friday. Uh, but what was it? Would we see it? I mean, I'm not really sure. I thought it would be something huge, maybe with Retribution. I mean, we got it, but we couldn't believe what it was. And we started off, what better way to kick off than with kickoff. And we had Apollo Crews versus MVP for the United States Championship. These two guys have been feuding for the last couple of months now. Uh, It's been quite interesting. Uh, But again, has it been the level that we really needed it as? I'm not really sure. Uh, MVP tried for the playmaker, but Crews escaped and delivered a toss powerbomb for the victory. After the match, Benjamin Bobby Lashley hit ring, but Cruz escaped a beatdown. I mean, this wasn't as good as the first match a few weeks back on Raw. Neither man really hit his groove. But again, not a bad way to start a SummerSlam off because Cruz is such a great athlete and he always gives it his all. That's all you can really ask for at this moment in time. We did do predictions for this as well. And, and at SummerSlam, we went up against Graps of Rass. So we got challenged on the predictions. But we also did a poll as well. So we're going to ask you what you thought. And Apollo Crews got 64% of the vote. And Graps went for MVP. And I went for Apollo Crews. So I started off 1-0 up. The same as the fan poll. And then we started the main show proper. And it was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It was Bailey going against Oscar. Oscar was worked on a little bit by Bailey during the match. Where Bailey drove Oscar's knee into the middle frame and set up to target the now injured joint. Oscar fought Brack with a code breaker. Bailey answered, catching the opponent mid flight and applying the knee bar. The Empress made it to the ropes. Moments later, Bailey capitalised on the momentary distraction by Sasha Banks and rolled Oscar up. After the match, Banks immediately jumped Oscar and joined Bailey in slamming her to the mat, all in the name of gaining a competitive edge over the Empress ahead of a raw women's title defence later in the pay per view. Now, this was another strong. Entering a long line of matches between Oscar and the Golden Roll models. And of course, Oscar and Bailey have great in ring chemistry dating all the way back to the days in NXT. And Banks, of course, being the hill that she is, trying to take advantage. Now, it's a bit of a shame because prediction wise, Oscar would have a perfect night here. But unfortunately, she didn't. So, predictions after that. I went Oscar. So, I'm still on one. Graps of Rass went Bailey. So, it was one. All heading into our next match, which is the Raw Tag Team Championship match. The Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. The Hills isolated forward with Garza targeting his knee with a drop kick and Andrade adding a rope assisted armbar. Ford finally tagged Angelo Dawkins into the match, and after a brief burst of offense for the big man, Montez found himself back in the match. He sent Garza into Zelina Vega, which distracted Andrade and allowed the Street Profits to successfully defend their championship. Now, 
these guys have been feuding for a very long time. And don't get me wrong, I like the Street Profits, but I just don't think Andrade and Gaza are the right kind of team for this. And it's only because I think if you're going to continue it, then you need to kind of switch the tag team titles up. And you didn't do it in this the Street Profits one. I think maybe it might be some shenanigans with the poisoning, but that kind of got forgotten about as well. Uh, Prediction-wise, Grapsaras and uh, myself, we went for new tag team champions, so neither of us got a point there. And to be fair, a slightly disappointing match. We talk about disappointing match. Hopefully, the next match wouldn't be because it was no DQ. Loser leaves WWE. And this is changed from a hair versus hair to a loser leaves WWE, and it's no real surprise because this has been the best feud, the best story. Of 2020. When you talk about the what happened at WrestleMania. And all throughout. The history between Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. It's been incredible. And I said on Twitter. This is the equivalent of the Gagano Chompa storyline. Told in WWE. And you know people might laugh at that. But when you think about the effort these women have put in. Could the match live up to expectation? Maybe not. After Deville trash talk Rose. Answer with ferocity hammering away at Deville. And setting her up on the table, the pride fighter rolled off low and narrowly dodged a steel chair to the face. She followed with a pump kick to the face, laying the golden goddess out on the floor. Rose delivered a running knee and followed with a second and a third. The double underhook fake buster and a fourth knee to the face earned Rose a hard fought victory. Disbelief setting as Deville through attachment ringside, slowing her own head into the conference table. Meanwhile, Otis hit the ring and celebrated with his on screen love interest. Now, where has Otis been these past few, four, few weeks? I hear you say. I'm not really sure. Was the match a little bit disappointing? I don't think it was. I think it showed, you know, these two women didn't like each other, don't like each other. The whole point was they didn't like each other so much, you know, this town isn't big enough for the both of us. It's been used in wrestling for years. And, I mean, the only problem is is that it's a shame this story's not been really seen in front of fans here in 2020, much like Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship reign. But I think with DeVille taking some time off, it makes sense after the awful events that happened to her. As for Mandy Rose, let's not drop the ball on her now. She's definitely got something about her. Let's capitalise on it and not have her just turning heel on Otis down the line like WWE have done with the women's storylines throughout the year. Uh, Prediction-wise on that, uh, Grapsaras went Sonia DeVille and I, of course, went Mandy Rose to get the point up after four matches there. And Mandy Rose got 76% of the vote. And Night Rock said, Mandy, because Sonya's taking time off, you are too right when it comes to that. And up next, I mean, the weekend was all about people having their first matches on takeovers, about Pat McAfee having his first match against Adam Cole. And at SummerSlam, it was Dominic Stereo. Yes, after all those years of nearly being Eddie Guerrero's child in that ladder match at SummerSlam, uh, for the custody of Dominic, he would now come back in and uh, he would make his debut. You know, we've seen him for a little while. Is this the right thing? I mean, look, you get in a position maybe because of your name, but I know sometimes you have to work even harder to get there. Uh, I was Dominic, and in fact, I liked his performance a lot more than uh, Pat McAfee's because I think the selling was on point. And I think, obviously, you don't want to be trying to replicate what your dad does or what Rey Mysterio does, but I think what he did... And the outfit, so many times we've seen like Tyson Fury when he wrestled, it just doesn't look right. And I think his outfit was actually pretty cool, quite, you know, like say Lucha Libre and that kind of stuff. Rollins, again, like Adam Cole did with McAfee, did the majority of the work here. And Rollins, obviously, is not as he is, but again, this was still a great effort. And I still think Seth Rollins can, you know, is one of the better workers out there. If he's not on the top level of like a. AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan, he's just that, you know, kind of level below. And he, what I'd liked about it is where we wore the outfit, uh, Rey Mysterio wore uh, kind of the same colours in the night seven Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. This was a long match, but I think it paid off in the end because um, it was how tough Dominic was. He managed to hit a frog splash in O2 Guerrero, but only, he couldn't keep Rollins down. Messiah McGrane control removed Dominic's shirt and continues his cane assault. Kane, not that one. He produced a pair of handcuffs, but Angle Angie appeared. The distraction allowed Dominic to score a roll up for two. Two. Murphy jumped into the match and leveled the rookie with a knee to the face. Ray also got involved, saving his size eyes from the hills, or his son's eyes even, but then he found himself handcuffed. Rollins T's confronting Mrs. Mysterio when an incensed Dominic attacked. He back body dropped Murphy and delivered a modified 619 that sent Rollins into the guardrail. 
Another six one nine left the Messiah stunned, but Fog Splash attempt ended with Dominic crashing into his rival's knees. The heel again taunted Ray, delivering a stomp to Dominic just feet from the future Hall of Fame. And Rollins took the win with a chorus of boos. And again, like I said, this was a young man with no professional experience to date, and Rollins made him look like an absolute star. Credit to Seth Rollins there. And Dominic Lowe, like I said, it was an awesome first in ring appearance. And in actual fact, people picked Dominic in the poll. They picked 64% to 36% Dominic. As for ourselves and the Graps of Rass, we both went... No, I'm lying to you. Graps of Rass went Dominic Mysterio. And we went Seth Rollins. So we went 3-1 up with five matches gone. And then we had the Raw Women's Championship match, Oscar versus Sasha Banks. Oscar unloaded on Banks as the word Bailey looked on. Modified co-breaker for the boss earned her a two, while a follow-up fog splash missed the mark. Moments later, the challenger looked for the Oscar lock. Banks counted into a bank statement, but Oscar counted back. Bailey tried to interfere, but hit a hip attack. Oscar counted the bank statement again and earned a tap-out victory as a boss screamed for her friend's help. Now, the closing segments between or sequence even between the two women was, was brilliant. You know, I, I feel the Oscar lock and the bank statement are maybe two of the best omissions in WWE, male or female. Uh, I think the bank statement is, is, is a fantastic looking move, and I think the Oscar lock is so dangerous as well, especially when they sell it as that. And I think that's what we had. I mean, Oscar getting the victory, getting the championship back, I think is the right thing to do. Banks and Oscar are probably my two favourite workers in WWE when it comes to women and maybe even when it comes to overall as well. Oscar gets the victory, walks out with a championship, and of course Bailey and Banks have to deal with each other. The fan poll, Oscar got fifty seven percent of the vote to Banks's forty three. Graps Aras put Oscar, I put Oscar as well, so it goes four two point wise. So like I said, four two there. And we had on to the WWE Championship match, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. Well, as we head into the action, the Scott delivered a top right clothesline and then downs the challenger with a future shock DDT. Orton avoided a flying McIntyre, dropped him with a snap power slam. The champion answered with a Glasgow kiss, clothesline the Viper to the floor. With McIntyre down, Orton set up for a punt, but the champion caught with a powerbomb. McIntyre tried to the Claymore kick, but the challenger ducked out of the way. He tried for another KO, but the title holder counted with a backslide for a win. Now, a lot of people were unhappy that we didn't see a finish in this match, but I think to win a WWE match, or WWE title match, with a wrestling move is just pure deep genius, and you want to see those finishing moves used in future matches between the two. I mean, it was physical, intense, and exactly what you want from two heavyweights fighting for the top prize in the company. A great match and a string of them Monday night, and SummerSlam has been fantastic so far. Predictions on the poll, Orton and McIntyre was 50-50. There was no separating them either way. Grapsaras says, There was no contest between McIntyre and Orton because of retribution attacking, leading them to reveal themselves. That didn't happen. I went McIntyre, so I went 5-2 up. As we head into our main event, the Full Scout Anywhere match for the Universal Championship. Now, I was a bit surprised that uh, McIntyre didn't main event a pay-per-view, and if the retribution attack would have happened, then maybe so. But I feel like he's not main evented a pay-per-view since becoming W champion. That needs to change. Hopefully, maybe a, a payback or night of champions. Who knows? Well, we've seen a lot in this match. The Fiend tried for the Mandible Claw, but Strowman fought out and sent him into the LED side of the ring apron. I mean, Strowman started strong in this one, breaking a toolbox over his back. The Fiend managed to retort a little bit, but the champion answered driving Wyatt through the timekeeper's position. The challenger rose to feet only to be choked down to the announce table with spine cracking the edge of it. Again, he rose. And now we see Braun going for the cover on the outside, but I don't think that's going to get the job done. Well, poll-wise on this, we should say at this moment in time, Braun Strowman 18%, The Fiend 82%, and uh, myself and Graps both went for The Fiend. And now Strowman has brought The Fiend back in. He's going to end him with a power slam. Referee counts, but can't get the job done. And you can see the cuts on Braun's head. And he can't believe it. And Braun with strikes. Maybe not coming squarely down on the face. As you see the Thunderdome in the background. And Strowman now looking around wondering what to do. And he's going back to his toolbox so to speak. Well literally. And he's got more Stanley knife as we know it. And what's Strowman going to do with this? And Braun has to rip the ring apart. Moving away. Everything underneath. But the Fiend is up. And the Urinagi right on the wood. Braun seems frustrated but the Fiend's got him. Sister Abigail 
Into the no, not into the cover. The fiend wants to dish out more punishment to Braun, and another sister Abigail face first onto the plywood. Fiend in the cover. One, two, three, and there you have it. Well, Braun Strowman held on the title since WrestleMania, but the Fiend was no match at all. Taking Braun down and becomes a new Universal Champion. Of course, the Fiend hasn't held it since Berg. Back in Saudi Arabia, what a long time ago that seems now. Well, hurt or heal, the Fiend is champion. And what the hell is this? Roman Reigns is back. Reigns has returned and he speared the Fiend. Huge right hands now. And I don't think he's finished there. Well, the Thunderdome can't believe it. We've been waiting for it, and now I think it has arrived. Now out of the ring. He's going to go after Braun. And a huge spear to Braun Strowman. And look at the attitude on Reigns. His t-shirt says, wreck everyone and leave. Reigns saying, I'm here. And what a statement from Roman. I don't think he's finished. He's got the chair. Oh, right down on the back of Braun. And again, a huge attack by Roman. And I don't think we've seen Reigns like this before. Oh my god, just dent in the chair. And you can feel the electric atmosphere and the shock from the Thunderdome. And Reigns looks like he's got a new set of teeth as well. As he focuses on the Fiend and hits him with the spear. Roman Reigns is back. He's laid out the Fiend. He's laid out Strowman. And he's got his eyes on the Universal title. My god. Have we seen Roman like this before? He stands over the Fiend. I mean, the Fiend won the title. But Roman Reigns is the man with a title in hand at this moment. Well, we never saw it coming, as Michael Cole says. True about that. As for SummerSlam. Oh, sorry, predictions first, we should say. Both of us went the Fiend, like I said. So it ended 6-3 to me. So the first time getting challenging, and I did win. You see what happens when it's one-on-one, when it's a fair fight? Anyway, as for SummerSlam... I think a great show. Like we saw with TakeOver, two and a half hours, job done. This was three hours on a Sunday. And uh, really, really good stuff. Was the Rollins-Mysterio match a little bit long? Yes, but maybe they need to just tell it for that little bit of story. McIntyre, Orton delivered in ring. Uh, Rose Deville was a great match. Bailey, Oscar and Banks, Oscar told a great story throughout the night. Uh, the only match really let down were the Raw Tag Team titles, um, which is a little bit shame. And the main event wasn't as good. But like I said, you always want a shock. And Roman Reigns returning, I don't think you get any bigger than that. We also found out during SummerSlam that Keith Lee is on his way to Monday Night Raw as well. And we said, look, now you know, it's positive. Reigns is back. There's genuine excitement. Keith Lee's on Raw. It's a good thing. But Gracker said, give us something better with retribution. Amish fan, see Roman back. They shouldn't just go right for the WWE title. I mean, what the fuck has he done to earn a shot? Have him face a couple of people first, then go after Bray. And then the champion, Del Alpha, said, I hope they move Roman to Raw, as I believe Wyatt can carry the SmackDown brand. I've got to say, match of the night for me, I've got to go Banks and Oscar. I just love the chemistry between these two women and the ending as well, I think was brilliant. Uh, my man of the night, I think it's got to be Roman Reigns returning and the way he did, just completely different. And uh, out of 10, I'm going to give it a 9. Uh I think it was better than TakeOver. I'm not going to lie. And I think it was more enjoyable uh, because the kind of what we wanted. We know we've got new champions. We've got a shocking thing happening and some great wrestling as well. As for the poll, uh, 21% said it was okay. 25% said good. And 27% each for great and awesome. I mean, Charlie Fight wasn't happening. Said, I'm disappointed with it to be truthful. I hate the ending. Payback pay for you just for Roman to become champion. But I think there was genuine excitement from SummerSlam. And that's a really hard thing from a WWE pay-per-view. All right, so that was TakeOver and SummerSlam. We now move to wrestling since then. And we start with Monday Night Raw. Results in a little while, but we'll do it now in the lead up to Payback. And we started Raw off uh, with Drew McIntyre saying how well he'd done and how tough Randy Orton was. But in fact, McIntyre was the better man and all looked good for him as he headed up the ramp and held a title overhead only for Orton to attack him. The brawl spilled out into production centre where Orton delivered a sickening punt before producers and referee arrived in the scenes. The second punt left the W champion lane as Orton looked on clearly proud of his actions. Now, we kind of knew there was going to be an attack and a couple of pumps taking McIntyre out was very, very interesting. We then had uh, Shania Baszler versus Bailey, 
Nia Jax eventually got involved, targeting Basler and Jordan's disqualification. The irresistible force dropped Basler with a hard right hand, but quickly turned her attention to the Bailey and Banks. The Golden Royal models quickly found themselves high-tailing up the ramp as Jackson and Basler presented a united front. So here we go, we're getting the oddball tag team partners. Stephanie did say that Bailey and Banks would defend their tag team gold at payback, and maybe it's going to be Shania Basler and Nia Jax. We had Alistair Black joining the Kevin Owens show. Black ordered the footage of his attack at the House of Murphy and Rollins to be aired. Owens had been manipulating his rivals with mind games. Before Owens could continue, Black feigned a dizzy spell and then blasting with a big back elbow. He finished off with a black mask before stomping off his motivations on. Alistair Black is one of the most dangerous men in WWE and that black mask kit could be sold as on a level to an RKO in that way where you can hit it from kind of any position and it can come out of nowhere. And I think moving him on, I mean, there was rumours that Owens were going to go face Seth Rollins next if Mysterio's contract hadn't been cleared up. Let's be glad that it's Alistair Black and let's hope the story continues for those two men. Then we had Rand Orton talking about his brutal assault on WWE Champion Drew McIntyre. He started calling himself the best wrestler on the planet before Keith Lee's music played and a limitless one interrupted making his Raw debut. Lee introduced himself. And then, with all due respect to McIntyre, challenged Orton to a match right here, right now. Maybe later, Orton faked him out before exiting the arena, leaving the challenger hanging. Well, Keith Lee looks like a major star right out of the gate, but interrupting the Viper and issuing the challenge tonight's main event. And that's coupled with the promo package we saw on SummerSlam. A lot of people didn't like his outfit, and a lot of people didn't like his music. But let's try and forget about that for a second, just concentrate on what they're doing with Keith Lee. Bit like Jericho interrupting The Rock, Keith Lee interrupted. Arguably the biggest star, apart from McIntyre, on Raw is Randy Orton and challenged him and didn't look like a chump afterwards either. We had an arm wrestling match which Cruz cheated to win. We had Mickey James silencing Natalia and Lana. Keith Lee versus Randy Orton and these two men worked quite well. Orton worked over Lee and set up for the RKO only for Drew McIntyre arrive and pull his rival out of the ring. Number contender escaped through the stand and clearly hobbled WWE Champion to stare him down. We then had a lumberjack match for the Raw Women's Championship. With Banks again trying to win off Oscar. Bailey attempted to just steal chair, but Basler cut her off. Back inside, Oscar tapped out Banks with the Oscar lock as Bailey watched on. And this was a little bit of a mess. And then we had Rey Mysterio and Dominic versus Seth Rollins and Murphy. And much like we had on SummerSlam, uh, they were trying to take down Dominic and try and build him up. The lights flickered and then Retribution appeared. Ray tried to help his son out but endured a beating at the hands of the Masked Invaders for his trouble. All while Rollins and Murphy watched on top from the entrance ramp. Two of the Masked Villains sent Ray face first into the ring face for positioning him alongside his son. Retribution stood on the ring apron to close out the show. So we still don't know what Retribution is about. We've seen him destroying but they haven't got a meaning or a purpose at this moment in time. But I think Raw was quite enjoyable as well. I think it was good three hours of television. Move on to the August 26th edition of NXT and start the show with Breezango defeating Imperium to become the new tag team champions. Not a bad match really. I mean, Eichel and Barthel are two really underrated guys in the tag team division. Um, we see Fandango making a much-needed tag to Breeze, who delivers super kicks left and right before tagging himself back in. Fandango putting away by hitting a double leg drop on opponents for a massive victory. And it was a massive victory. This is the first goal that Tyler Breeze or Fandango have held in WWE ever. That shows how important it was. And a great moment. It's just a shame. I know we had the rest of the Slash fans in the arena, but it would have been a massive moment if uh, fans was there as well. We saw Tomasa Ciampa destroying Jake Atlas. I mean, the stretcher came down and that was really, really bad. Shotzi Blackheart defeated Mia Yim with, unfortunately, Robert Stone getting run over by a tank again. And William Regal announced a four-way Ironman match to determine the NXT champion. The biggest news from NXT, aside from new tag team champions, was the fact Karrion Cross had to relinquish the NXT championship. He had sustained an injury, much like we fought at TakeOver, and uh, the injury was too bad for him to carry on. So unfortunately, we've seen this with NXT before with the injuries that they get with Tommaso Ciampa uh, having to forfeit the title. And it's the same for Cross. It's going to be a shame, but let's hope he can start or be as hot 
when he comes back as he was at this point in time. And because of that, like I said, William Regal saying that uh, on the special edition on NXT on Super Tuesday, there will be a four-way 60-minute Ironman match to crown a new champ. There will be Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole and Johnny Gagano. Also on NXT, we had the Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar defeating Isaiah Swerve Scott thanks to putting a luchador match mask on and the headbutt I love the old uh, foreign object or international object as it was Kyle O'Reilly defeated Drake Maverick and just when it looked like Killian Dane was going to be in this side he dropped Maverick as well Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez defeated NXT Women's Champion Io Shai and Rhea Ripley I mean they enjoyed some help from Mercedes Martinez who, who ambushed Rhea Ripley during the bout leaving Io Shai on her own momentarily Ripley was weakened from Martinez's assault when she finally tagged in and Gonzalez took advantage dropping her with a blistering big boot the massive slam to pin the former women's champion, Raquel Gonzalez's biggest victory to date. We also got some sad news as well. And uh, I'll read what it says on the uh, WWE.com website. WWE Sandler to learn that the bullet Bob Armstrong, a WWE Hall of Famer and patriarch of the legendary Armstrong wrestling family has passed away at the age of 80. Equal part strongman and showman Armstrong was born in Joseph James in Marietta, Georgia on October 3rd, 1939. Proved himself as one of the most tenacious grapplers on the planet during the territorial days of wrestling. He secured his tough man reputation long before he ever set foot in the ring thanks to his tour of duty in the US Marine Corps and his seven-year tenure as a member of the Fair Oaks later Cobb County Fire Department. Armstrong, however, didn't rest on his laurels when he was between the ropes. He handled himself well in the rough and tumble southeastern territories and applied an assortment of holes and moves including his feared sleeper and Georgia jawbreaker. He also possessed the grit of grappling gab, giving him the uncanny ability to wear down a rival with words, as well as his strength. His chosen trade later became a family business as Armstrong's four sons, Joseph, a.k.a. Scott Armstrong, Brad, Steve and Brian, a.k.a. Road Dog Jesse James, followed in his father's footsteps. The Armstrong boys often found dad's corner as bullet bob partnered with each of his sons at various points in his competitive career, which spanned over six decades. For his part, Armstrong offers to credit his beloved wife, Gail, the secret to his success. Upon being inducted into the W Hall of Fame in 2011, the self-proclaimed old war horse also made the case that his many triumphs likely benefited from divine intervention too. I think someone up there likes me, Armstrong said during his speech. I got to live my dream. You will be missed, Bullet Bob Armstrong. All right, move on to August 28th edition of SmackDown. We had Jeff Hardy versus Shinzuki fucking Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. Well, Hardy hurt his knee while hitting Whisper in the wind and it allowed Nakamura to recover, hit a sliding German suplex and a diving knee, knee for a near fall. The Ligma rebounded and used a twist of fate and Swanton Bomb to win and retain his title. Sami Zayn came out with his own icy title and claimed he was the rightful champion. He nailed Hardy with a hell of a kick while Styles watched with a smile. There is something about the combination of Hardy and Nakamura that just works. They don't have a similar style, but they have nothing common to always put in good matches. Styles was more angry than usual on commentary, and there's a little odd Cesaro wasn't there to support his tag team partner, but hey, they might be breaking him up anyway. This is a good first hour of SmackDown, especially with the turn of Sami Zayn. It was fun to see an eventual title versus title match. We had Matt Riddle versus Chad Gable, and even me talking now is probably longer than... Um, the match was in itself. Riddle hit the bro Derek for the pin. And then Corbin got involved. Oh dear. We saw Jackson Basler reminding everyone how much they hate each other for saying they would still win the belts against the Golden Roma. Be made official for payback. Braun Strowman treated Drew Gulak like a jobber, which was just awful. We had Cesaro versus Kalisto, which again, they're not capable of putting on a bad match. They're fantastic, even with a few minutes in the ring. Nakamura was there to help out his tag team partner, which caused distraction. And of course, Cesaro rolled up Kalisto for the victory. We then get the Miz, John Morrison, and Sheamus versus Big E and Heavy Machinery. We get some confusion over a tag. Sheamus ditched his team for the rest of the match. This allowed Tucker to make the hot tag to Big E. He came in at the same time as the Miz. Big E started throwing around with belly to belly suplexes. He picked him up and ended it with the big ending. And then we get the story of Postman Pierce. After Zane gave a brief interview backstage with Caleb Braxton, White put on another episode of the Firefly Funhouse. He celebrated regaining the Universal title and said it was good to see Reigns back in WWE. The doorbell rang and Pierce arrived dressed like a postal worker. He looked confused and asked White to sign the contract. White acted like it was weird for Postman Pierce to be asking instead of The Fiend, but White still signed the contract. Later in the show, Pierce was shown failing to get Reigns to answer the door to sign it. Even later, Gulak hit Braun Strowman with a chair and then tossed it to Pierce. Luckily for Scrap Daddy, Strowman knew it was Gulak and said he would sign a contract if he got a match with his attacker tonight. 
Pierce essentially forced him to sign a contract, but Man was unhappy when he returned without Reigns' signature. He told Pierce to knock his door if he had to. He eventually found a big dog, and Reigns said he would need to read it for signing. When we checked back with him later, he signed it for really, and he had Paul Heyman by his side. What a shock. Not only Roman Reigns coming back at SummerSlam, and he was saying it wasn't a prediction, it's a spoiler, he's going to win the Universal title at payback with Paul Heyman by his side. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Paul Heyman. I love Roman Reigns. This will be a great, great connection, hopefully, and a partnership between the two. But why not have Heyman doing something during a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match to, to side with Reigns? I mean, yeah, he might want to keep Brock Lesnar as his client, but you've still got that story there. Why have Reigns, after all this time, finally sided with Heyman? Would we get any answers at payback? Well, it's time to find out. So August 28th, just a week. So August 30th, just a week after SummerSlam. Could a WWE pay-per-view work? Crazily, I think it did, but more on that uh, in a little bit. We got challenged with predictions by at Select Match Podcast. Uh, so we'll go through the predictions as we go along. And we started off with a kickoff show. The Riot Squad versus the Iconics. Liv exploded into the match statements. A double stomp spot on Royce appeared to have injured the Aussie who audibly voiced her pain. Still, she partnered with Kay to deliver the deja vu only for Morgan to break up the fall. The Riot Squad uncorked her own double team finish to deliver the co-breaker right kick combo to Kay to win. I mean, this match was what it was, you know. Maybe we weren't expecting much of it. But I think with the Iconics, they're leading to a split. Whereas I feel with uh, the Riot Squad just getting back together, I think it can work. Does it show WWE's maybe... Not long-term planning for it. I think it does a little bit. But again, I think a good way to start. Uh, Select Match Podcast went for the Iconics. And we went for a right score. So we went 1-0 up. But like we said, payback has only just begun. Poll-wise on that, the right score, 66% of the vote over the Iconics, 34%. As we head into the main show. Started off with the United States Championship match. It was Apollo Crews defending... Against Bobby Lashley. Well, Cruz momentarily grilled pressed the almighty for unloading two impressive German suplex. A frog splash followed, but Lashley still kicked out. Uh, the almighty created separation with a big spine bust and applied the full Nelson for the win and the title. After the match, Cruz attacked him from behind, but was cleared out by the hills. I'm getting that title back, he explained, as he made his way up the ramp. I mean, it wasn't a bad match, not a bad way to start off SummerSlam, but I think... The winner wasn't in doubt here because I think Cruz has had a, a good run of the US title. But personally, I want to see a heel turn and siding with the Hurt Business. And I think the Hurt Business need gold because they've been one of the hottest things on Raw recently. And I think it's the right thing. And uh, the poll suggests that as well. 61% uh, went for Bobby Lashley, 39% for Apollo Cruz. Prediction-wise, low select match pod picked Cruz. We went Lashley, so we went 2-0 up there. Our next match was Big E versus Sheamus. But we asked on Twitter, can Sheamus enter again? I know our focus is on Big E, but the Irishman has so many ups and downs. Is he just start stuck in mid-card mid-erocity? Mick Conley says, when we get rid of dressing him like Brad Pitt and Snatch and actually make him a serious character again. Uh, DH says, Sheamus beat years ago. They had the chance to capitalise him five, six years ago, and they didn't do it. They just dropped him out to frames, and that was it. WAN Wrestling said, I'd love to see Sheamus' title run again. Public Lemony said they're hilarious and atrociously botched his reboot and I want to say 2015. But he won money in the bank and got cash in on Roman at Survivor Series. Yeah, this should have been his run, but he overshot a lot. He lost too soon. It was squashed short order at Mania by the ATGs. Sheamus is a lot better than people realise. Moving to Raw sometimes next year, let him regain the WWE Championship. Wakanda forever said he's never been good. Someone's career is okay if you reverse it. He got a huge push to start his career. That should have been it. Nick Safety said, hopefully, yes, he can. He deserves it for sure. He's a hard one. And as I said, he's very underrated in the ring. Anyway, this was a really hard-hitting matchup. And um, he cut Big E's gyrations off and delivered an Alabama slam. Big E recovered and delivered a spear through the ropes, crashing to the floor with his opponent. Back in the ring, he set up for the big ending, but Sheamus slid out and applied a heel hook. The play face finished delivered a jumping knee. Big E caught Sheamus with a powerbomb and finished him with a big ending. For the win. A fired up Biggie celebrated the win. Approaching Corey Graves ringside saying, Preach to the people, I'm ready. And like I said, such a great hard-hitting matchup. Should it have been a pay-per-view match? Maybe not, but this is Biggie's kind of big victory. Sheamus is a former champion. And I think we're seeing Sheamus maybe in one position and Biggie 
passing them up on the other side. Prediction-wise, Biggie got 83% of the vote for 17%. And Select Match Podcast got the first points of the night by selecting Biggie, so it went 3-1. Up next was Matt Riddle versus King Corbin. Every time Riddle tried to mount a sustainable offence, Corbin cut him off. Riddle finally allowed the kick that helped him mount a comeback. He scored a near four for running knee and shows a real intensity later. Undoubtedly, rest of Corbin's comments regarding his highly in the day. And by an apparent rib injury suffered following one of Riddle's stiff kicks, Corbin still managed to put his opponent down with a deep six. However, Riddle caught Corbin with another kick to the midsection, fell him with a bro to sleep, and scored the win with a floating bro. It's annoying how many times I have to say bro in that. Matt Riddle is very, very good in ring, but I personally just grates at me. And again, I think his heel works a lot better. But, you know, with Corbin here, if anybody's going to get booed against, you know, Corbin. Then you're in trouble, I suppose. Not a bad match on the pole. Matt Riddle got 85% of the vote to Baron Corbin's 15%. And I'll say select a match podcast and myself both went for Matt Riddle in that one as well. So it's 4-2. Then we had the women's tag team title match. The Nijax versus the Golden Roll Models. Bailey wisely sent Baslin to Jax knocking off the apron of potential injury in the knee. With Bazza down, Jax wiped out the role model on the floor and then Ragdoll banks into the guardrail multiple times. She went powerbomb, but the boss fought out of it and drove Jax face first into the mat. Bailey followed a top right elbow drop and Banks with a frog splash. They butt dropped Jax, but Bazla entered legally. She applied a mutual lock to Banks and a Carafugia clutch to Bailey at the same time. Using the boss's arm own advantage, the Queen of Spades forced a tap out with Bailey for the win and the titles. I mean, this wasn't really good match-wise. You've got the old ball partners there. This is more about the breakup between Bailey and Sasha Banks. And I think it worked in that way, you know, when we get Bailey tapping and Banks not having any championships, maybe being a little bit resentful. Of course, Baszler looked like an absolute killer. I mean, that submission was probably one of my favourite submission finishes that we've seen. As for the poll, 66% went for Jax and Baszler. Select match podcast on myself. Both went Jax and Baszler as well. So it's 5-3. And yeah, that's right, I'm 5 for 5 at this moment in time. Up next was Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. Keith Lee faced the biggest test of his main roster career as he battled Randy Orton. Limitless one exercises power advantage, throwing the Viper out the ring and Limitless onto the table after Orton had hit him one with his, of his own earlier. Always to let Orton caught Lee coming in with a kick to the chest and down with a draping DDT. The former XC double champion recovered, powered out of an RKO and pinned Orton clean in the centre of the ring with a spirit bomb. And that is how you create a star. Orton going for the W Championship didn't matter because somehow Keith Lee managing to get the job done. It was one of those moments. I mean, I got out of my seat with it as well. It's fantastic. The, the raw emotion there of Lee getting a victory. Let's strap the rocket to his back. And let's send him on his way now to the main event. Now, let's create some new stars. Keith Lee has got it. And uh, it looks good at this moment in time. There's no doubt about that. Probably my favourite moment of the whole show. Prediction-wise, Keith Lee did edge out 54% to 46% on the pole. And Select Match Pod and myself both went for Keith Lee as well. So it's 6-4. And the co-main event, which is Ray and Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins... And Murphy. And this feud has been going a, a long, long time. And much like their match in Raw, they were trying to uh, work on Dominic throughout the match. And towards the end, Murphy broke up a two-count, only to eat a big DDT from Dominic. Rollins delivered the sling blade to the younger Mysterio, only to walk into a seat sent off for Ray. The Messiah recovered and caught Ray with a co-broker mid-air, then rocked him with a sidekick. Rollins then sent Mysterio into the barricade and set up a double-team manoeuvre with Murphy. The Aussie caught Rollins setting in motion a series that clued with Dominic, earning a win with a frog splash. I mean, this was a super fun tag team match and a very good one as well. It's only his second match. Dominic is getting better and better and I think the, the victory evened it out there as well. Team 619 on the pole got 75% to 25%. And Select Match Podcast and myself both went for the Mysterios as well. So it is 7-5 heading into our main event. I'm on for a perfect... Who have we gone for in this matchup? Well, pole-wise, the big dog... Got 74% of the vote. Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman, 4%. The Fiend, 22%. Uh, I went for Roman Reigns. Select Match Pod said, Wyatt to retain after shenanigans. I do love shenanigans. We have not seen Roman Reigns yet. The match has been going for about 15 minutes. This 
personally, much better than their SummerSlam match between these two guys as well. This is not false count anywhere, though. So they have to get the victory in the ring. And now Lafine's got Strowman up on the top. The turnbuckle. And they've done the ring collapse. Lafine superplexes Sprawn. The ring breaks. Charles Robson goes flying over that top rope. Both men are down. And now we're going to get the big dog. Well, he's not signed his contract yet. Has Roman Reigns. And here he comes with a steel chair. I still can't get used to that sight. Paul Heyman next to Reigns. Offering a contract to sign. And Reigns now on his way to the ring. And Heyman so happy with this. And here comes Roman now surveilling the damage. There's a new referee now as Reigns going for the cover. But can't get the Fiend or Braun down. Maybe his opportunity is going to turn into a nightmare in a minute if he can't get it done. Like a cash-in than it is anything else. And now Roman with a chair on Braun just wearing him out. Going for the cover. But no, Braun will not be beaten. And Roman getting more and more for... Well, now Reigns, not sure what to do, looking on at Heyman. And you've got to think with Roman that he will do anything to be champion. He's going for the chair. The Fiend catches him, manual claw. Low blow, though, sends the Fiend out of the ring. Well, and that was close there. And Braun slowly gets to his feet. The Fiend down. I think the Ro Roman see looks at his opportunity and sees it in front of him. Braun gets to his feet. And here comes Roman Reigns, spear. Into the cover. One, two, three. And Roman Reigns is the new Universal Champion. Unbelievable stuff. Coming in after the match was nearly over with a ring collapse. You can see Heyman there smirking with a contract in hand. Reigns become the champion. Pinning Braun Strowman. The Fiend's reign lasted a week. But Roman said it wasn't a prediction. It was a spoiler. Uh, he would be Universal Champion. He's done it here tonight at Payback. Well, we look back at Payback now. And I mean, I tell you what. What a result that was. If we look back at Match of the Night. Now, actually, before we do that, let's just do predictions. Select Match Pod went shenanigans. I went Roman Reigns. That's right. Perfect score. So it ended 8-5 to the WNR. So 2-1 overall out of the three that we did. And as Meatloaf said, 2 out of 3 ain't bad. As for payback itself, do you know what? It's a solid show. And a week after SummerSlam, wasn't expecting much. And it actually delivered. It was fun in parts as well. So I'm going to give that a solid 8.5 out of 10. Man of the night, I think it's got to be Roman Reigns, hasn't it? Universal champion yet again. What happens to Braun now is an open-ended question. I think the same with The Fiend. We're going to see The Fiend and Reigns feud. And Braun will probably turn back to the dark side. Match of the night. It's difficult. I'm going to pick Keith Lee, Randy Orton. It wasn't maybe the best match, but for the result in itself, I think that's why it gets match of the night for me. And how did you rate payback? Well, 21% said it was okay. 11% said awesome. And 34% said good and great. So it's between good and great. So not bad for a pay for you that happened just a week after SummerSlam. We'd just like to thank Select Match Podcast as well for uh, taking part in the predictions and we would like to fight you again one day. Well, there weren't really any slow points. Lashley and Lee had huge nights. The women's tag team could be fun. Everyone tried hard and the main event delivered. So all in all, not too bad. We now go to the raw results for August 31st, the night after payback. We had Keith Lee versus Dolph Ziggler. There's only going to be put in a match with Ziggler. Uh, with Keith Lee, so it would be Ziggler, who sells brilliantly anyway. And the pounce was one of the things that we saw. And uh, he beat Ziggler with a spirit bomb. And he earned a spot in the number one contendership triple threat match later on in the night. Oscar was looking for a new challenge. It looked like Mickey James. My answer that calls reminiscent of their takeover matches before. Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens was the next qualifying match. Uh, and this was quite interesting because Alistair Black attacking Kevin Owens from behind and throwing him in the ring in the way of an RKO. That's, that's, that's no problem because you carry on the story there with uh, Alistair Black and Kevin Owens. We had number one contendership, loser disbands, the Iconics versus the Riot Squad. And uh, the Iconics playing backstage, they'd worked together forever. They would never break up, especially against the makeshift team. The truth was a nightmare for Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Morgan took out Royce, leaving Wright to Spice K with roll up for free. The Iconics threw a fit after the match. Um... Do you know what? This is quite a surprise because the Iconics are very over. But apparently, rumour has it, they're quite high on Peyton Royce. 
We then had Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio in a number one contendership match. The modern art Messiah clearly had the advantage throughout his contest, but Dominic fought back with a far committed underdog. In the end, he was just outmatched, and Rollins hit the stomp for the win. And in the main event, number one contendership, Randy Orton versus Keith Lee versus Rollins. Randy Orton and Seth Rollins looked ready to work together until the Viper refused to get his hands dirty early. The Hills eventually realised they could only take Lee down together, managed to wear him out by slamming onto the announce table and through the steel stairs. Limits one refused to be denied. Lowry threw the Viper across the ringside area. They focused on the Messiah. Lee turned the stomp into a spirit bomb and he take a surprise RKO. Orton chose to pin Rollins over Lee to take the win. You know, these three guys have been killing it recently. You know, when you talk about what Seth Rollins has been doing Monday Night Messiah, Randy Orton's heel work, and of course Keith on NXT, and, and the three of them paired really well. You save Lee from the pinfall loss, which makes sense. You've got Randy Orton versus McIntyre coming up now, probably at Clash of Champions. The only thing is, what does Keith Lee do now, and who does he face? He needs another challenge. Will that be Seth Rollins after he's moved on from... Um, Mysterio, I think that's maybe a good shout. You know, Mysterio looks like he might have suffered an injury, but only should be out a couple of months. You give that a little bit of a rest, and you go forward with another story in that. All in all, I thought Raw wasn't too bad this week. There was a bit of news story as well about Brock Lesnar. Apparently, Brock Lesnar's contract has expired from um, WWE. I mean, these two, you know, have an agreement for a certain amount of time anyway. So it's not that surprising. Well, it is surprising that WWE Shop apparently has taken all Brock Lesnar's merchandise off there. And with Paul Heyman teaming with Roman Reigns, do WWE really need Brock Lesnar? I think at this moment in time, I think it's a very good question. I don't really think you, you need that there, you know? And then finally, we go on to the September 1st edition of NXT, or as it was known as uh, Super Tuesday, of course, with the, the main event we knew. We had the street fight, the Gala Del Fantasma versus Breezango and Scott. I mean, this was brilliant. It's very rare any WWE show starts this hot, but it was front and centre. Swerve lost a good match against Esquire last week. The specification of rivalry is not over. Uh, while it got messy in appearance, interference was unnecessary. It was an electric opener anyway. Breezango cleared the rings up Scott to hit the JML drive on Esquire to win the six-man street fight. We had Candice Wade meeting Casey Cantazaro in a squash match. Timmy Thatcher versus Bronson Reed. We saw Austin Theory getting involved, distracting Reed, leading Thatcher to get the submission win. And then the NXT Championship Ironman match. Balor, Champa, Cole and Gagano. It took 25 minutes for the first fall when Finn Balor connected with a coup de grace on Cole. Champa caught Balor with a fairy tale ending, but the Rebel Heart stole a pinfall on the Prince to take it. The undisputed era leader got his fall after connecting with a Panama Sunrise on Gagano. Leaving it up, planting coal with a fair to end in, leaving everyone at one fall apiece. All four men stood back up, ready to start again. Jump and Balor took the ring while Gagano Cole fought outside. One minute was left in the clock with no additional falls in the contest. Balor planted Gagano with a top row over the shoulder, back to belly pile driver, and they caught the black heart with a coup de grace to get another fall. Cole ran in with a last shot to get a final fall as time expired. General manager William Regal announced that next week Balor and Cole will face one on one to crown a new. NXT champion. Bait and switch. Bait and switch. A lot of people have complained. Why would you set up a match like that if it was going to end in that way? And I think that is a fair point. Uh, but of course next week now on NXT we'll find out who the new NXT champion is. Will it be Finn Balor? Will it be Tommaso Ciampa? We asked you and a resounding voice going back to us is Finn Balor. Alright so that is nearly it now. But don't worry dear listener because I might be alone today, but I won't be alone for too long. We have got three fantastic guests lined up. And I can happily say that Unimatrix Gaming will be here this weekend coming, where we get a little bit retro, and we're going to bring out the N64 and the PS2 and play two of the greatest wrestling games ever, No Mercy, and Here Comes the Pain. But until then, that is it. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter, at the WNR Podcast. We're also on Facebook, the WNR Podcast, and Instagram. Of course, all the Google platforms. Send us an email, the WNR Podcast, at gmail.com. YouTube, the WNR Podcast. We have all the latest clips and podcasts at the same time. And you do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Stitcher and iTunes. You can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Like I say, you and the Matrix Gaming joining us next. But we should say our follower of the week is none other 
Then at Augustin Sanchez 4 or Augustin Sanchez, you are the Dubliner follower week. And like I say, special shout out to at Select Match Pod for the predictions. And of course, Graps Ras. And next up is at Unimatrix Gaming. Until then, I've been James Rollins. Thanks, Lissably, and bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.